In 2007, I sat down for a coffee I didn't know would completely change the way I thought about my vocation. At a high-top table, brightly lit by the sun pouring in through the window of our seminary's bookstore slash coffee shop, I met Brad Griffin. Brad is now a senior director at the Fuller Youth Institute, or FYI, a preeminent research group housed at Fuller Theological Seminary that studies the faith development of teens. At the time, though, Brad was one of just three on staff at FYI, which had recently launched one of its first research undertakings, then called the College Transition Project. The name was later changed to Sticky Faith, which, you have to admit, was a good call. I asked if I could help as a research assistant, and Brad said yes. I'd never been a research assistant before, and it took me a while to learn how to actually be helpful to the project. It's probably a good thing that I didn't need to be paid. Fast forward a bit to when a small group of us were gathered around a gray conference table in a gray room with gray carpet, reviewing printouts of coded data from the study. By now, I'd met the faculty members from the School of Psychology who were also part of the research team and the doctoral students they had invited to be research assistants as well. It turned out that doctoral students in psychology, unlike yours truly, did know how to be helpful. And apparently, since this room was in their section of the school, they knew color was unhelpful. The data we were reviewing related to how the young people in the study, who were a diverse in as many ways as possible contingent of youth group graduates from around the United States, described their faith across the transition out of high school. One word captured the theme moralistic, and we were not surprised. Moralism, simply put, is the idea that the purpose of religion is to create moral humans. You know, good people. Being moral, upstanding, and virtuous is the aim, and religion is a tool to accomplish it. How does religion do that? First, by naming and reinforcing the value of being moral, and second, by communicating that the deity of that religion is pleased by your morality and displeased by your lack of it. It says, you make God sad when you don't pick up your toys. When I say these young people described their faith in ways that were moralistic, I mean that they believed God cared most of all about how they acted. They knew the rules, all the things they should and should not do. Keep your clothes on. Bring your friends to youth group. Don't do drugs. Modify swear words into not quite swear words. That sort of thing. They had those lists down pat. But more than that, they understood that these lists showed what a good Christian should and should not do. Being a good Christian meant being a good person. In other words, list management was the main practice of their faith because the lists made them moral, right, and good Christians. And that made God happy with them. I want to be as clear as I can. The issue is not the desire for our children to follow God in practical action and attitude, nor is it a hope that we can guide them to wise choices and away from foolish ones, thereby sparing them some difficult experiences. The issue is when adults tell kids exactly what fruit should look like in their lives instead of helping them get to know the spirit who grows the fruit. It's when we fail to recognize that fruit can be faked by a kid especially if they fear the disapproval of a loved one. Fruit cannot grow in the soil of fear. That is true if the fear belongs to a child who wants us to affirm them. And it's true if the fear belongs to an adult who can't handle the long, slow, out-of-their-control process of helping children discover for themselves who God is. The issue is when we care more about the artificial fruit of compliance 
or respect or first time listening than the genuine juicy fruit of coming alive to the love of the true God and the chance to share that love with the world.